It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at cboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at cboc.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lookabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. All right, we are back again with Joshua Duran, and we're talking about space psychology. If you didn't listen to the previous episode, our intro on space psychology, take a listen to that. We're talking about the cosmos. We're talking about short, low Earth orbit missions. We're talking about deep, deep space missions. We're talking about psychological factors that affect crew members, what's important, and how does this matter to us on Earth in terms of any parallels, any types of correlations we can see with our actual workspaces. So we're going to blend it a little bit. Hey, here's a really exciting topic. Exploration is in our blood, as Joshua said during the last episode. And then how can that make us think differently? How can that change our perspective and help us change our perspective and even behavior for the better for our workplaces as we have them here on earth? So as we mentioned in at the end of our last podcast episode, we were talking about Let's get into what are the important competencies depending on, like for job analysis, for astronauts, depending on mission types in particular. So we're looking at low Earth orbit missions, 12 months, deep space missions that can last anywhere from 12 to 36 months. And the 36 months is obviously the deep, deep space missions. And there's a couple articles that we're taking from, they'll be in the show notes, One long title, but you guys love listening to long titles. Here it is. (laughs) Risk of performance and behavioral health decrements due to inadequate cooperation, coordination, communication, and psychosocial adaptation within a team. And the contributing authors here, of course, we have Dr. Lauren Landon, uh, William Vesey, and Jamie D. Barrett. So we're going to get into this and talk a little bit about not only that, but also the psychological requirements for a lunar base team, because there is serious conversation and serious action being taken so that we can establish a lunar base team. Again, exploration, uh, collection of data, and then the ultimate goal, of course, is living on Mars. So one thing that I noticed, Joshua, is for like these short missions, for these low earth orbit missions. I'm looking here, if you're looking at this article, it's page 13, anyone who's listening, there's a really nice table here. Teamwork, communication, adaptability in order seem to be the most important competencies for astronauts for these short missions. And we also are looking at self-care, judgment, situational followership, and small group living when you start to extend the mission a little more. And then it's interesting because we start to see things change, see things change where self-care and small group living 
technical teamwork, those are the things that start to be the important competencies for the longer term missions. And if you recall in our last episode, we mentioned, all right, what about here on Earth? Because we're not in a ice environment, isolated, confined, an extreme environment here on Earth when you're in the workspace, because you can leave your office if you want to. But the stuff's in your head. That's a pretty confined environment is when somebody's living in your head, a coworker's living in your head, deadlines are living in your head, uh, and you just can't seem to get away. So what is that, Joshua? What does that mean to you that, oh, I guess here's here's a question. There, there's lots of questions, Joshua. We can, <laughs> but here's one question. How important, though, is thing are things like situational followership and adaptability and communication, they seem really important, but they are halfway down the list and even at the bottom of this chart when it comes to the longer-term missions, because we see that self-care and small group living is at the top when it comes to the longer-term missions. So it almost flips short to long what's important. What are you thinking? So the reason for that is because when you get into these longer duration space exploration missions or LDSE missions, you're going to have to rely on each other, your teammates, to get through the days, get through the months, and get through the years. And unfortunately, you don't have any outside help beyond what's in front of you or who's in front of you. So things like team trust, communication, yes, it's important, but the reason it's not highly important is because autonomy starts to play a role into these longer duration missions. You're going to need to rely on your teammates to do the job that they've been trained to do without really communicating, you know, working off them. Think of it as a, as a baseball team. Everyone has a position or any sport team. Anyone, everyone has a position that they play. It is not your job to play their position. Instead, you should know that position and help uh, if the situation requires it. I remember growing up, my dad taught me baseball at an early age. I played t-ball all throughout high school, so I had the fundamentals instilled in me. And although I played one base or two bases, second base and shortstop, because they're uh, mirror opposites, I was tasked with learning other positions, learning outfields, learning pitcher, catcher, all the bases to know what would happen in certain situations, what what they should do, and then what do they need from me. And I think that's uh, entirely relatable in space exploration missions or any type of team in high-consequence industries where failure is something that is extrinsic upon, or in, I'm sorry, intrinsic upon um, success. And so... Oh, getting a little off topic there, but communication does play a role, just not as much as you'd think. We have so many rabbit holes to go down because you you just opened up and maybe this will be for the next episode. When you look at in this article, when you look at success versus failure, when you look at regular corporate teams or just regular teams, oftentimes success is measured by an absence of an absence of failure, an absence of things going wrong. But does that really mean, because if you have a chance to correct for failures, when you look at, and that's something that they're looking for with the longer space, with the space flights, 
is it's not necessarily if there was an error. Of course, errors can be more costlier when you're in a, you know, four to six people up in space. But when you look at how they're going to be successful, successful means really completing the mission. It doesn't necessarily completing the mission without any errors and being able to learn from that. So I think that's something that we can absolutely, I, I really want to dive into that. Let's do that for the next episode, because I think that has a lot of corporate indications as well. And yeah. when, when so, so the audience can get into our heads, when we're looking at these crew sizes, we're looking at from for the mission types for like your six month for like the International Space Station, they're usually six person crews. So just to give the audience an idea of, of how many people here, and even with the 12 month uh, missions, it's six people. When you look at, at deep space, you're looking at four. And then when you're looking at planetary exploration, meaning deep, deep, deep space, you're looking at four to six. So that in general, you're living with four to six people. And you mentioned the, the baseball, the baseball analogy where it's learning to do your thing, where that autonomy plays into it. I looked at this and almost thought being married, right? Because, and I also, I also thought of the BMW commercial where it's, they, they have like heated cup holders. And this is a commercial a long time ago. It said, Hey, when you have a car that's this good and we've thought about everything, we can start to worry about the the other tiny things that are just conveniences because everything else is down pat. It's a solid mm-hmm. car. So it makes me think of this when you're on these longer term missions, when self-care is more important in terms of that competency than teamwork, it's probably because the teamwork's already there because they already have that, that kind of a thing down pat and they're, they've reached a certain level of self-care that the teamwork and the communication aspect is simply going to be there. And then we look at what is self-care self-care. You're, you're looking at everything from, of course, like personal hygiene, but uh, your, your own wellness, your emotional intelligence, your well-being, being able to uh, mentally not only prepare, but be in those types of situations and not let it affect negatively those three to four, three to five other people. So it's almost like if you are self-actualized, I'm going to take it one step further, you're likely going to have the teamwork, communication, and adaptability required for the shorter missions. But now, because of that self-care and your ability for small group living, it's almost like that BMW commercial. And it also makes me think of marriage. Okay, what's important in the beginning when you first start dating? Adaptability to their personality styles, communication. That's obviously important. We could go on that for years and teamwork. But then when you get married, you get settled in, you get comfortable with each other, you've got to make sure life gets busy, jobs, kids, uh, you know, home improvements, car repairs, things popping up. That's when self-care, your mental to, mental capacity to deal with these ch- challenges are important. Technical, your ability to, uh, that includes, I think, the ability to adapt because then you're able to solve problems. Mm-hmm. And then small group living, obviously, house, if, you're, if, you're, if you have kids, that's small group living. So it almost makes me think of dating short-term missions up to 12 months, you know, it's the space station, maybe a quick trip to the moon and back. And then you're looking at the marriage, which is, all right, we're going to be in space for three years. Here we go. 
Yeah, absolutely. I like that analogy as well, because um, then it, it ties into the the disasters of dating as opposed to the disasters of marriage. Um, because say um, you guys aren't just getting along while you're dating, you could just break that off easy peasy. But if you're married with kids, you know, that's obviously different uh, circumstance. Definitely so many analogies. I can, I mean, we could go on and on. I love analogies. I, I always think of, was it Edison? Edison. I think it was, Ed- they said uh, Edison used to sit at the, at the Harvard Square in Boston and teach people these complex theories of relativity. Wait, who is Edison? No, Einstein. Sorry, Einstein. <laughs> hey, they both start with a Q. Einstein, <laughs> these the complex theories of relativity with oranges and balloons. Because having that that ability, you know, meeting people where they are, using analogies, putting into our brain, it's something called elaborative rehearsal. So yeah, love these. And the more analogies, the better. I'm going to read off a couple more of these uh, types of competencies. And if you're listening, think of what are these competencies and how important are they in your in your work life? And if you're if you're interested in these, we talk about on the podcast the importance of peer-reviewed articles all the time because we look at kind of like what we were talking on the last podcast episode. We look at what is known so that we can start to make assumptions about what isn't known, draw a hypothesis, test, and learn more. So we there's plenty of what is known on these other factors that are competencies for astronauts and of course a lot of them competencies for our own jobs uh motivation learner uh learner versus teacher versus teacher sociability confidence operations orientation uh emotion management emotional independence and of course the ones that we talked about before we got technical judgment teamwork and small living group i may have missed one or two but everyone you get the idea in terms of these are the importances of ratings. There's 18 in total. And based on the mission, this chart that I'm looking at in the study goes through each space type of space mission. And then what's ranked in terms of importance on the astronaut astronaut job analysis. Joshua, what, let me ask this, what question remains in your mind thinking about some of these different competencies and either how it applies to space travel, astronauts, choosing which, basically, uh, which astronauts to quote hire for the missions, or even if your your mind goes over to work life here on earth. My question that I have yet to see really answered, and that's probably because we don't have the technology for it, but we're definitely getting there is, you know, can these competencies be taught or transferred on a on a larger scale, meaning are we spending uh, years and years of training on just a few select individuals for these space exploration missions? Yes, we're doing that now, but are we using that same model in the future when industries are looking to mine asteroids or what have you, uh, colonization? Are we still doing that same process? Because it seems to me that although it's the most safest, it's probably the most time consuming. And I'm wondering what would the privatization look like for these competencies being um, distributed amongst the mass people? So that brings up, that's perfect. And maybe we'll, we'll end with this. And then for the next episode, we'll talk about 
what it takes because you just talked about sample size and look, looking here, uh, I'll read verbatim early candidates for astronaut selection in the 1950s and sixties were largely military test pilots thought to be naturally suited for high stress and high risk situations with little thought given to team orientation or team skills. And the problem that arises is the sample sizes are so small because you can really, again, we're looking at such small crews, four to six people on a mission, the sample sizes, and there's plenty of, uh, of data on this in terms of what sample sizes and the different studies in terms of job analysis, it's tough because right now, like there is a, NASA did a, a study tried to try to update their job analytics efforts, and they could only interview and collect data from 21 astro- from 21 astronauts. Right, 21 is a lo- is a small sample size. I mean, at that point, so this is a this is a uh, a great a great time to keep that teaser for what we're going to be talking about next. And Joshua, thank you for being here. Thank and you for having me. We'll catch everyone next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? At seabock.com.